Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Ray. I'm joined again by Don Booth. Hello. And by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And we might as well play the podcast intro from last week as well, because United have lost again. It was dismal. It was dull. It was awful. United need players. They've not got players. The fans aren't happy with the owners. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Rinse and repeat. (laughs) Burnley at home. How bad was that? That was, certainly I think in Old Trafford terms, the nadir of the post-Ferguson era, just because... Burnley and won at Old Trafford since 1962, was it? I think the the chanting uh, was mutinous. It was sinister, but the frustration is is completely understandable. The performance was just was dire. Um, I suppose at nil nil they had, they had some chances and that they should have at least taken one of them and, and gone one nil up. But when Burnley went one nil up, you thought United aren't going to win this, and when Burnley went 2-0 up you knew that Burnley were going to win this you might as well have just ended the game there it's just I mean there's there's a there's a word there are many words to use with United some of them unrepeatable at the moment but the place in a mess uh, the, the mood really has regressed to um, the days of sorry the last months of Mourinho's reign at the press conference this morning when Solskjaer came in, he remarked about how, like, he was taken back by how many people were there because there was a, a Sunday's briefing as well. And uh, one of the employees of the club, I think, they said, "This, this, you know, this is what happens when Man United lose." As if you know, the, the vultures have come in to swoop in on them. But yeah. I mean, United. <laughs> the thing is, vultures actually swoop in on someone that's dead. That's there's nothing left there. There is just about some life in United, but. It's, it seems to be fading on a, a daily basis, a weekly basis. The, the whole transfer strategy is, is a mess. Uh, Solskjaer just, he, he looks like David Moyes. I mean, David Moyes aged 10, 10 years and 10 months. Solskjaer is looking greyer with every day. And, and I, do, I do feel sorry for him in that sense. But you, you can't reap what you sow, really. He, I, I suspect he knew what he was getting in for. I do think the club are genuinely shocked by how bad it has become. They they were very bullish, uh, even when it was bad earlier in the season. They were bullish about recruitment, but you, you're looking at that now. And those signings individually, um, I mean, I, I think with the context with Daniel James is that I thought he had a very good first four months at United, but the last five or six weeks, his form has fallen off the edge of a cliff. Um, but the club chose him uh, to front up to MUTV in midweek, which was probably unfair on him, I think. Another player, when he was walking through the mix zone, oh, he, he will remain unnamed for the time being, but I think he might be outed on Sunday, he said, uh, as he walked past, because he didn't stop to talk, he said, this isn't on me. That gives you an idea of the lack of character, the lack of leadership in this squad. Uh, it, they're just not up to it. You, you go back to the, the first Glazer season in 05-06 and 
United have just been done 4-1 by Middlesbrough. Roy Keane's done his MUTV bit that hasn't been aired. It's mutinous, it's nasty. They go to Lille, they lose 1-0. The fans turn on Darren Fletcher and Kieran Richardson. Yet after the game, the captain, Ruud van Nistelrooy, still speaks and speaks very eloquently in the mix zone. Uh, United just don't have players with the character and the quality of someone like Van Nistelrooy or Kieran uh, Richardson or Kieran, or Kieran Richardson do with Darren Fletcher, uh, or right Darren now. Fletcher who at the time was getting a hell of a whipping and, and there's always understandably so there? yeah there's got to be someone you blame but like you said well, in recent weeks it's really been the, the match going fans know who is to blame don't they yeah they and that's that's the dilemma in that Solskjaer is not up to the job I've look, if, if he goes and proves me wrong I'll, I'll you know happily hold my hands up but I don't think those those United supporters who chant Solskjaer's name, I suspect the majority of them think that he should not be manager of Manchester United. But if you sack him, which they could well do before the end of the season, I still don't think that's in, 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 uh, unforeseeable at all. The, the problems are still... The, the, big, the biggest problems are still there. It's that Ed Woodward is still calling the shots via Joel Glazer in Tampa, who is is someone who has not been to a game all season. So they've got absentee land, uh, absentee owners. Uh, I think the only Glazer I've seen at a game all season was was Avram Glazer, and that was in the the opening weekend against Chelsea. So you've got these um, these the, these siblings who own the club, who clearly what they know about football wouldn't fill the back of wouldn't fill a postage stamp, which I know I've said before. So they're not there, and the running of the club is left to three guys who were chums at the University of Bristol some two decades ago or three decades ago. And between them, they have no football now, so they have no football knowledge. There's no football presence on the board. So it's guys like Mick Court, apparently, the, the technical chief scout, like overseeing recruitment in conjunction with Solskjaer and Mike Phelan. Mike Phelan shouldn't be there. He was the most... Frankly, he was the most useless assistant Alex Ferguson had. He, he only got it by virtue of being part of the furniture of the club. And because David Moyes didn't retain him, his reputation went up because Moyes was so useless and Steve Brown was so useless. Well, Mike Phelan has his ceiling is quite low. He should not be a United assistant manager. Solskjaer should not be the United manager. But when you've got bean counters and... Um, uninformed people running a football club and that's the thing it, it, it's it's apparently a football club but it's not run like a football club however much they try and tell us that it's being run as a football club it isn't and it's it's just beyond a joke and this window when it opened they should have been announcing signings right there and then they should have been prepared for that already they should have been prepared for the possibility of an injury they saw that what happened with Marshall when he was out for eight weeks how bereft Rashford looked he was well out of form during that period that attack was always a an injury away from from collapsing it's collapsed again and of course they didn't bother signing a midfielder in the summer so you'd think we'll have one lined up from the get-go in January they've not done that either and it's entirely possible they could still go the whole month without signing anyone and it is not a good look whatsoever that we're about to enter the last week of, of the transfer window and they still haven't signed one uh, they're desperate they're dismal and unfortunately they're serving up dross Tom I felt like being a bit partridge and saying still good news about the chocolate orange <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, 
Can I? Do you want me to just look for positives? Is that what you're looking well, at? No, for? just I mean, as Samuel said there, Don. The, the problem is that the fans, as results dip, are naturally going to maybe turn on the manager, and it, like, ultimately he might not be the right man to lead United forward. But as Samuel said, Ian, if someone else came in, the, the issues are still there above him, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I was quite vocal on Twitter after the the, uh, the Burnley game with a couple of other journalists who believe that Solskjaer is one of the biggest problems, or certainly. You know, I do. I do agree. He is a problem, and I don't think he's shown enough tactical nows uh, at all in the last. He'd probably go back ten months, apart from those opening couple of months, where it probably even then wasn't tactical nows. It was motivation, momentum, a feel good factor around the place, which which got him that initial surge of runs. I do think it's pretty unfair to count his record without that opening uh, section because he did achieve that as a manager, and it's like saying, you know. Anything we say counts and you can't defend yourself. And Solskjaer has been under siege. And the point Samuel makes about the fans chanting Solskjaer's name at the end and directing the fury towards Edward and the Glazers, I completely understand because look at look at the evidence since Sir Alex Ferguson's retirement, since the departure of David Gill. All you've got is a, a, just a, a sort of succession of really isolated transfer decisions which are not joined up in any way no footballing structure we've been waiting 18 months for appointment of a director of football that still hasn't come that feels like the fans are simply just being fobbed off uh, to be honest with you so that's where the change has to come for me you can change a manager all you like Pochettino could do a better job than Solskjaer probably but ultimately I think the problems would persist uh, in the long run yeah, there's only so much you can get from the squad of players you got at your disposal. Uh, I guess last weekend as well we had that Roy Keane and Carragher debate on a, in the aftermath of Liverpool defeat and Keane said, you know, you've got to give Solskjaer another year. Do you think that's the way the club actually believe it? Samuel, you were at the press conference this morning and Solskjaer said the club do have his backing. He said that, you know, it's going to take time and maybe that's tedious for fans because it's such a short-term success to the, as an industry. But do you think Solskjaer will get the time? Not if, not if results improve. Um, after the Liverpool came last season, I was told that Sunday, on the day of it, that Mourinho was getting sacked and put that on the club. Of course, they deny it. And you check with them again, of course, they deny it. And then come the Tuesday morning, he's, he's been sacked. You'll know that Solskjaer's been sacked when the, the club announced it. If they get annihilated, if, if they go out against Tranmere, if they get annihilated by uh, City, if they lose at home to Wolves, at which point they'd have lost, what, Nine out of twenty-five games, possibly in the in the Premier League. Then we have a two-week break, and of course, it's like a it's, it's effectively like an international fortnight for United. And what do clubs do uh, when an international break comes along? Who are strugg- clubs who are struggling? They tend to sack the manager. So I don't think there's a guarantee he'll be United manager this time next month. I think it's perfectly possible he could um, he could be gone by then. But but so I mean, also wouldn't be surprised. Do you was, think it would be sort of United going against what they've promised in terms of this policy that we've been told about time and time again? Or Results is obviously a, fa- a valid point. Policy? But, well, this long-term policy that Woodward's come out and said in investment calls and the, the, the idea that they're building long-term with young players and signing young, hungry but British that, players. That, that, that whole, but that whole policy goes out the window when you're the worst United side yeah. since they got relegated in 1974, and, yeah, which no, they are. Yeah, there's no club that's not going to have a long-term policy and say no if any club says it's we've got short term policy it's, it's, it's when it's that result, gets tested it's a results based business yeah. the, there is no time he has not got a set time frame on being there it's not like they're saying to him you've got 18 months we'll review your position 
after 18 months. If they ha- it's a results-based business. If they have terrible results, then there's a chance they'll act. Uh, I mean, the caveat with someone like Pochettino, who, apart from not winning anything, is is the ideal manager to come in is that you go back to his last year at Tottenham and he was morphing into Jose Mourinho moaning about lack of investment um, becoming quite antagonistic in public so you you'd think well he's dealing with Daniel Levy there who clearly knows more about football than Ed Woodward how the hell how exactly do you think he's going to react when he's working under this it's, it's barely even a structure at United when you've got to answer to someone like Matt Judge who decides that it's a good idea to negotiate a four and a half year contract with with Phil Jones and hand contracts out like confetti to players who don't deserve it and you've got Ed Woodward who should should not be should not be on the football side whatsoever. Um, so I mean they can talk all they like and, and the trouble with something like an investor's call is that although uh, that you know, we're, we're reporting what he's saying and the fans can read that. He's not actually addressing the supporters. He's addressing investors. And some of those investors ask the most stupid questions well, going. Was it two, what it, some idiot asked about the loan system. Said, What's a loan transfer? Yeah. And then we had the other one, which was about Champions League football, which United aren't in. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. And and that 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 is, again, it's, it's really... Um, <sighs> I know they have to have those things, but those people shouldn't be allowed to ask questions again in the future because it's actually showing contempt for the supporters as well. Uh, the, the supporters are embarrassed uh, a lot of the time to be um, to, to be to be supporting United when they've got people like that who are in prominent roles or, or have at least got a line of communication with Woodward uh, or Richard Arnold on, on those things and they're just, just besmirching the name of the club but that's that's not going to change the reason why I make that point um, about long term um, strategies is because that's where I would have I would have sympathy for Solskjaer who yeah he's probably smart enough to realise it's a results based business obviously but he has taken risks in not replacing big players in the transfer market in the but belief was, that young was players that can come through uh, but with that I see. I have sympathy for them on that because I don't think that's his fault. I think that's just the I agree, yeah. the, the deal makers who have sold him yeah. short, and he is too diplomatic to too uh, not nice out camp, them. Like it? Mourinho was probably too antagonistic, and Solskjaer's too diplomatic. And there's probably a manager out there who'd find a common ground, which is what you need. Mick McCarthy, <laughs> <laughs> and and Steve both Bruce. both both of them just end up. You know, fans say you shouldn't do that when Mourinho says that, and when Solskjaer's not calling out the Glazers or calling out Woodward they're saying you shouldn't do that so it's he, he's in an invidious position there he's having to cover really isn't he for for those areas that United haven't covered in the transfer market and relying on on, on these youngsters on players who really shouldn't be a regular in United's teams that situation has been exa- exacerbated by these injuries and it is really these injury situations which have opened up this wound, really, and and of course these these bad results, and and now Solskjaer's facing this, this position where people are are asking about his job, and the club are having to restate their support for him. Um, obviously, we always say that the caveat is that for, for the time being, but yeah, I, I just have massive sympathy for Solskjaer really because 
this is probably the worst United squad since uh, Ferguson's retirement. Other managers have had much, much better players and they finished fifth, sixth and seventh. And United are probably finishing one of those three positions this season with a much inferior squad, in my view. In fairness, they didn't restate their support for him. Unfortunately for James Cooper, Sky Sports News, he the way it goes is that he, he gets in touch with United um, it was and pretty just asks about yeah. how you know how things are and they reiterate club, player, staff, all behind Ole. James, you know, in, in a very low-key way, relays that to his desk. And then people who are tuned in to Sky Sports News see breaking news, Manchester United issue. I don't know what it yeah. said, but, it, but people, a lot of outlets who aren't briefed and have no relationship with the club then start doing stories that he's been given the dreaded vote of confidence when it wasn't that whatsoever the reality is the situation has just not changed yeah literally like that and the thing that someone else that hasn't changed on no transfers we recorded this on the Friday a week left for United to finally get someone in over the line the developments everything's just gone dead in the water at the moment well, two recent names are, are certainly dead in the water as yeah. far as well, that's concerned well the notes here that Ash has written for me just say Igalo Slimani Cavani <laughs> yeah I think Cavani at least fans would accept is a is an elite player or has been an elite player Slimani and uh, Igalo failed at two mid-table Premier League clubs last time I checked so if that's where United are looking at uh, and we've got no guarantees to say that's where they are looking at at the moment I think that they definitely want a, a better profile player than that but it just shows how thin the squad is and you know we spoke about Daniel James earlier Samuel, Samuel mentioned Daniel James and his drop off in form but he was basically the replacement for Sanchez and Lukaku in the summer United didn't sign any other forwards so they brought in a 21 year old who had less than a full season of championship football under his belt and expected him to to be that replacement so this is where we are now with United looking at short term possibly loan transfer signings from now until the end of the season I, I just cannot I just cannot think of anyone they'll be able to bring in in the next week even though fans are demanding it that will be uh, a success it's just, it's just it's not the time to do it, or and that that doesn't that isn't going to ring well with fans. But it's just not the time to bring in um, fantastic quality additions. Yes, like Dom said, there, the front line's been tasked with Dan James, who is the championship winger at the moment. You've got Mason Greenwood, who skipped reserve team football. He's a phenomenal talent, but the, the pressure put on that United front line is remarkable. And we saw midweek Anthony Marshall. He's still not that number nine player to take United forward in terms of goals when Rashford's out. But is there someone out there who they can actually get in the next week? Because surely, like you said, they've got to plan for these circumstances. Surely that a move would have been in the pipeline last year, really. And with a week left, United, any side that's going to negotiate United anyway, they're going to make ridiculous financial demands, surely. What I can't quite understand is that United uh, communicate to us that they have they whittled down their shortlist to a shortlist of three. So... Haaland, however, I mean, it was a case of he said, she said, and Haaland effectively just rejected United. He wanted to go to Dortmund, and understandably so. Where's the backup option there? You would think, okay, Haaland was the one that Solskjaer really wanted, but what was communicated to us was that he would settle for the second choice, but he wouldn't settle for the third choice. Um, I mean, Is that if a the second, then? I mean, if the, if the second, if the fallback option isn't get a ball or goes off somewhere else you think well how do you go about it but it's a bit like with Sean Longstaff in the summer in early July they're, they're told by Newcastle they want £50 million for him they think okay we won't call you back on that one but then it's like well okay who's the other midfielder is, is there another midfielder no there isn't another midfielder why isn't there god 
God knows. And it's just the lack of... I mean, the fact that all these names are coming up, not that they are not in for all of them. I mean, I spoke to someone at um, Slimani's management company and, and he, as far as he was concerned, United hadn't touched base about him. But it's not a coincidence that all these names are cropping up because United are looking at some of these names. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of agents will obviously be trying to hawk, hawk their clients across Europe because they, they need to get them moves. There's a European Championship coming up, so some need game time. And there are other reasons for why players would want to join United. But as I said, it's just, it's just an appalling look. That, and again, it's, they're regressing back to the first window under Woodward and those amateurish, desperate days where they were like scrambling around like a supermarket sweep contestant trying to find a bargain that that wasn't there and you you just wonder again having you know given us this spiel about how they feel as though they've nailed recruitment they haven't nailed recruitment and they hadn't nailed it in the summer because they missed out on two priority targets fair enough we'd be you know be bullish and buoyant about it if you've got all your targets but they didn't they they sold they sold the manager short um and they seem capable of negotiating just one deal at a time and each deal took about a month to do and by that time they'd pretty much run out of time to replace Lukaku and of course I think it's pretty clear that the Lukaku deal and the Maguire deal were linked there in that United needed that guarantee that there would be money uh, to spend on Maguire because he cost £80 million. They've, they've never spent more than £150 million on permanent signings in the summer. And in that day, and in this era, that is insufficient. And especially at a club like United, who, I mean, they're, they're four points off Newcastle, who are 14th. That's only three players, £150 million pounds of, of, of quality that United need. Or 10 Daniel James. Or 10 Daniel James. I mean, 10 Daniel James would probably be all, all right because you could swap them and they could they wouldn't get fatigued yeah. in the way he has been. Um, Dortmund are a fantastic example um, of a club who United should be on a par with, if not above, in the European footballing terms. Yeah, who do their business with such efficiency. I mean, that classic German stereotype. I think before the summer transfer window even opened, um, they signed Thorgan Hazard and Julian Brandt from uh, two of the teams in Germany, uh, Mönchengladbach and, I can't remember the other one, um, for a combined like, £40, £50 million. Pounds. They managed to sign Erling Haaland ahead of United um, for a snip. Um, before the January window even opened, so if United's excuse about saying business isn't isn't easy to do, or we can't complete one deal at a time, more than one deal at a time, that doesn't ring true, and it just shows how much you need real football, footballing people, real recruitment specialists um, right at the top of your club. And United do have those people in the club, but they're not running the show. It's you know, like Samuel says, it's a it's economics specialist from the University of Bristol. How much does it worry you that, I mean, it was, it was last week or two weeks ago, Solskjaer was saying, we do not want to lose someone like Ashley Young. He's a leader, he's experienced. Ashley Young's gone. He's not going to be replaced this month. That's another player gone, another player United failed to replace. Yes, it might only be squad fill, it might only be Ashley Young to some fans, but this United side, which is already not good enough when fully fit, is just getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Yeah, but it was the two more important players for me, and Ander Herrera and Romelu Lukaku, who weren't replaced. They, they were first-team players. They were they were good United standard players who were contributing most weeks. 
who just were not, were not replaced. And when Solskjaer said in the summer, Scott McTominay and Andreas Pereira are going to replace uh, Herrera, okay, McTominay stepped up a little bit, but obviously is now injured. I think that that was a, a bit of an alarm bell that he, that was going to be the way United operate and they're going to try and cover their own tracks with, with fringe players stepping up and one or two will. McTominay has. Brandon Williams has, has stepped in, but you shouldn't really be asking that of those players for me. I think Luk- did Lukaku say that you know he decided in March that he yeah, wanted yeah. to leave United? I mean, I remember just reporting at the time that it was obvious then that he's, he's probably going to want to go. United must have known for absolute certainty at the very latest in April that he wanted out, that he was going to go. So May, June, July, August, I mean, that's that's four or five months to have lined up a striker or a goal scorer or forward to replace him. And they didn't. And I mean, that that does beg a belief. I mean, there are a lot of things that beg a belief with United, but that's just another example of it. I think another um, point relative to the, the Dortmund one is, is Bayern Munich. I mean, they don't get Leroy Sane. They'll probably get him in the summer, but they thought, well, who else out there can do a job for us for a season? They get Perisic in, which... Okay, he's he's a he's an unremarkable player, I suppose, but they also got Coutinho in as well, and I suspect from the supporters' perspective, they think okay, that's a fair way of going about it, and they know that the club is being run properly as a football club anyway, and they got a um, got someone on loan this week from Real Madrid, didn't they? A right back, Hernandez or oh no, was it? Or Dezola. Yes, that's it. So they go to Real Madrid and say, look, this right back isn't playing for you. Do you mind if we have him until the end of the season? Real Madrid say, yeah, no problem whatsoever. He's going to a brilliant club in Germany. It's not difficult. It really, I don't think it is as difficult as United make out. And it's probably, it's probably difficult for them because they're not experts at it. They don't excel at it. It's, it's so... I mean, legitimately, has, has Sergio Romero actually been the high point of their transfer business yeah. post-Ferguson? He possibly has been, and he was a free. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There's not much more to add on that. I mean, that turns into another feature, doesn't it, really? Like, who, I've, who was United's best time been over the last seven years? I mean, now, like... for all the sick he got, Fellaini, yeah. what he did in the time that he was there was a decent... Player. I mean, he wasn't the classic Man United player, but there's there's absolutely no point referring to the United of Ferguson. Those days are long gone. This yeah. United are going. Uh, I'll be surprised if they do not go at least a decade without the title. I just do not see them mounting a credible challenge in the next few and years. For all the other teams to falter, or yeah. for United to improve that markedly, just seem ridiculously. I, I suppose. Ridiculous. I suppose the only consolation is that Liverpool surely cannot do what they've done this season next season well, they'll, they'll challenge for the league City will challenge for the league Leicester probably next season Leicester are in a more auspicious place exactly so that, and yeah, Arteta might get Arsenal into gear as well um, Mourinho is going to be demanding at Tottenham that's that's intense competition there and United are already lagging Dom Herrera was going to be my shout by the way for best signing post Ferguson we'll let you have that <laughs> get that one in just before then uh, Tramier this weekend as if the doom and gloom couldn't come in more more Mersey misery for United perhaps gonna be a very lose-lose sort of afternoon surely for United this horrible pitch at Crenton Park at the best of times this one's like a sand castle and like yeah what what can you do from United's point of view how would you approach the game it's one that United have to win but who do you play who do you risk well I think United have, have risked players playing too much 
this season already and it's cost them obviously with the Rashford situation when he came on against Wolves there was the Scott McTominay injury against Newcastle where he seemed to be injured in the first couple of minutes played until half time Pogba situation could have been managed better you know you could go on and, and I think there are a few United players who I think the fitness and strength conditioning coaches would now say are in the red zone because I think Fred has played a heck of a lot recently even Maguire, Matic yeah even well even Matic but that just shows that they've only got two proper central midfielders really Maguire looks like he's running on empty a little bit at the moment his form's dropped off a cliff so I think United have to just take the risk and and play the second string really and play people who are, who are who are at least fit and ready to go even United at that strength should have enough to beat Ligue 1 and Tranmere but like you say it's a complete lose-lose situation and the knives are going to be out if they fail to win the game if they do fail to win the game and it's going to be an unwanted replay it's just it feels like an absolute nightmare scenario for Solskjaer who at the moment probably can't wait for that mid-season break even though Samuel said that the, uh, the knives tend to be out for managers at that time because it's difficult on so because Every time Solskjaer's almost been in a situation like this, he's pulled out the bag with the City win, the Tottenham wins. You know, it's but not this month. Yeah. You, but it's what happens with, with Solskjaer. Three, next three games, Trammy away, Man City away, and then you've got Wolves. That could be the end, or that could again be another revival. Trammy played 120 minutes on a Thursday night. If United lose to them, surely that is just not good enough of any United manager. No, not at all. And Tramir are 21st in League One, which I think does put them in the relegation yeah. uh, zone. Although I, t- I suppose with, with Burnley coming out of it, that, that has to be factored into it. But I think, yeah, they they are in the relegation zone, League One. It, it, it would be... <laughs> I mean, you think of the most embarrassing cup results they've had over, over the decades. I mean, York City was obviously the League Cup. Uh, Bournemouth going, loses them in, in 84 uh, when they were the holders at the third round stage. Leeds, obviously, was an infamous one. They were a League One team in, in 2010. That, that hurt United fans an awful lot. Uh, this would be... I think this would be infinitely worse purely because where United are and given given where Tranmere are in, in League One it's it's more than anything I think it's not as much tests of United's quality it's their character are they actually going to fancy it against a team that are going to try and make it as, as awkward and miserable for them as possible um, Burton Albion certainly did that in, in 2006 and there were legitimate issues with that United squad at the time so I suppose the only the, the crumb of comfort from from for myself on a purely uh, selfish uh, level is that I don't have to have a, a Sunday train to Watford and a, a Sunday train back via Euston so at least it is just down the East Langs Road and again. A great away day for United fans might not be a memorable one. They wanted, I mean, from that point of view, that's what you want. You want it to be a forgettable away day. Just a run-of-the-mill cup tie, nothing exciting happens, 2-0, go home. For, from United's perspective, yeah, for the fans, it's it's obviously a, a ground... I mean, I can't remember the last time, if there has been a I time that they ever played. Have, yeah. At Prenton Park, anyway. They, the the under-23s, of course, played there earlier this season in the... Um, Leasing.com the... trophy. <laughs> Tate Chong scored twice it, yeah night, but that's what I mean as well you go into this game on Sunday you've got to from my point of view you've got to rely on someone like Tate Chong whose future probably isn't at the club so you're having to rely on players yeah Where's well, Angel Gomez yeah. another one captains you know exactly Chong, Angel yeah. Gomez or um, Angel Gomez could leave on a free Jesse Lingard has got into bed with Mina Raiola and made his position quite perfectly clear exactly. as well now that's what your squad filler is now you yeah. players who don't necessarily want to be at the club and you're having to rely on them to avoid a cup upset <laughs> 
it's, it's almost as if you shouldn't play <laughs> play some of them which I think I mean I certainly wouldn't bother playing Lingard um, and also I think unfortunately for uh, the likes of Woodward and, and the Glazers and, and Matt Judges that at these grounds as Robbie Savage will have attested after the uh, after his day out at Spotland is that the the cameras tend to quite all, quite clearly capture audio as to what fans are singing and I suspect they will be chanting about the Glazers and Woodward again on Sunday because they got beat 2-0 in the week and I know Solskjaer said you know support the players the players notice it well yeah they 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 have been doing that as well, but they're not going to just be hunky-dory about the situation because the situation is dire and it is it is probably the worst United team since they got relegated. Maybe worse than that. Don, from my point of view, I can already imagine the TV camera panning to Mike Dean as Tramiego 2 oh, I can't wait for the 90th minute. From your point of view, though, I mean, we've, it's been a low, low week for United fans, but surely, surely they cannot lose to Tramiego Rovers. Uh, I don't think they will. No, I think, like you say, about Solskjaer producing results when he needs to, I think that may well play out. United could well get a good result uh, in the Carabao Cup second leg against City at the Etihad. It might be in vain because of what happened in the first leg and United pretty much losing the game, losing the tie within the first 30 minutes of that first game. But I actually can see in these three games a mini revival of sorts. I I do think the injury situation is going to get on top of United at some stage because... You know, I don't think McTominay, Rashford or Pogba will be back anytime soon. So I will predict a win for this one. I'll say 2-0 to United. Uh, and I'll predict that even though I don't think he should play, I think my old mate Fred might get a goal because I think he's been looking probably United's best player in the last few games and seems to be developing an eye for goal, which previously he hadn't had at all. His shooting was woeful. He even got one on target. He got one, yeah, he got one, he's got one on target against Burnley and he... He nearly scored against Liverpool, so I'll say Fred with a goal and a 2 0 United win. How specific is that? Just like that. Samuel, your thoughts ahead of Prenton Park on Sunday afternoon? My thoughts? Yeah, what? Surely it's a win. They probably will win, uh, despite all this doom laudry, but the the doom laudry, I'd still say, is justifiable. Uh, It's it's a strange one that I, I, I could see it being awkward, but. Ultimately, Tranmere are the they are the twenty first in in League One, so that that's a crumb of comfort for United. And I suppose it is a level playing field with that pitch as well. It's not like United are renowned uh, ball players or anything like that. So I I'd imagine United will win, but I wouldn't be again whatever the game United go into. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if they win or lose or draw as long as there's not a replay. Yeah, that's all we're hoping for. Dom, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us week on the Manchester Red Podcast. We'll be back again next week, at least once United take on City, Wolves, and who knows, we might even have a guest appearance from Bruno Fernandes. We'll have to wait until <laughs> Thank you very much. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you again next time.